something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. up to you how you feel how hard you'll work for it Heidi Fleiss previously on Heidi World Heidi Fleiss has gone from LA's glittering hilltop mansions to its prison downtown as a result of her remarkable rise and fall in the 1990s as a Hollywood madam by the 2000s she is out of jail and back to hustling up ways to make money and cash in on whatever is left of her brand Welcome to Heidi World. Ah! 
Chapter 10, The Desert and Beyond. Heidi moves to Pahrump, Nevada to start a stud farm and ends up starting a bird sanctuary instead. Plus, where everyone ended up. Welcome back to the final installment of Heidi World. I'm your host, Molly Lambert. It's the early 2000s, and Heidi Fleiss is out of prison, ready to rebuild her life from scratch. Her first stop is the grocery store, where she treats herself to salmon with mango salsa and buys every single flavor of Ben & Jerry's ice cream. Every woman at the market was looking at me as if I was mentally ill. Recently, she's been couch surfing through her rich friends' houses, staying in a guest room at a gated mansion in Brentwood. She invites a journalist over to play chess with her while she promotes her new memoir, a coffee table scrapbook-style tome called Pandering that retails for $50 at stores like Borders and Barnes & Noble. While she was in prison, Heidi brushed up on her skills as a former child chess champion and says she won every game she played inside. I see a checkmate. Heidi says she turned down publishing deals from people who wanted her to do a tell-all because she still has no intention of snitching on clients. Heidi, to do a book now, you're basically a has-been, and you have to dig deep down and do some soul-searching and tell it all. Instead, she started her own publishing company called One Hour Entertainment and put out the book she wanted to write. She raised a few grand and went to the publishing trade fair Book Expo America, where, in true Heidi fashion, she came back with a four-book deal— she started learning the ins and outs of the publishing business. Whoever you think is doing it, is doing it. And they're probably doing it in weirder ways than you can imagine. Just because I got caught and I sunk the ship doesn't mean I have to take everyone down with me. At 37 years old, Heidi is washed up as a madam and aware that she could be considered unhirable for virtually anything else by a lot of people. She jokes about prison, but there is an underlying sadness. She felt deserted when she was on the inside by everyone except her family, who wrote her constant letters. She relapsed on drugs almost immediately after re-entering the straight world and served a six-month home detention for it. Pandering, her book, is designed for an audience with increasingly short attention spans. People don't read anymore. Magazine subscriptions are way down except for Maxim Stuff and FHM because their articles are half an inch. To do a book now, you have to make it very visually appealing and concise. Heidi realizes that the world has changed in many ways while she was serving out her prison term. While the trial of Heidi Fleiss may have been an attempt to sweep the sexual hypocrisy of powerful men under the rug, like an inappropriate boner, it always seems to spring back up. The media's sights are now set on destroying and humiliating another young Jewish woman with unique sexual charisma who grew up in Los Angeles, Monica Lewinsky. Heidi Fleiss thinks the Kenneth Starr report on Lewinsky's affair with President Bill Clinton 
shifted the cultural needle in ways she could have never imagined, making things like blowjobs, rim jobs, and sexually pleasuring a woman with a cigar before biting down on it and saying, tastes good, into national news. He made the conversation different. He brought the subject of oral copulation to the dinner table. After pandering, Heidi wants to put out other books, including a book about Tupac Shakur, a tell-all about Beverly Hills tutors, and a collection by photographer Evan Clanfer of photos of prostitutes and strippers in Florida. A made-for-TV Heidi Fleiss biopic is announced by the USA Network. It will star Jamie Lynn Siegler, best known for playing Meadow Soprano on The Sopranos, as the Hollywood Madam. Heidi Fleiss is a public figure, which means the story is public domain. In the meantime, a humbled and chastened Heidi will take money however she can get it. She appears as a judge at the Venice Beach semifinals of the LA's Sexiest Competition, a promotion for the Erotica LA convention taking place that weekend. Erotica LA is actively trying to make adult conventions more female and couples friendly, part of a larger movement of sex positivity that encourages women to buy their own sex toys. The Hustler store in Hollywood may not have the feminist credentials of San Francisco's pioneering sex toy shop, Good Vibrations, but it's part of an overall shift spurred also by HBO's hit show Sex and the City towards women owning their sexuality and also towards commodifying this type of sexuality, telling women that they need a certain vibrator or expensive brand of lingerie to feel truly sexy and empowered. It's a twist on the yuppie ethos that Heidi profited off of. More money equals better than. It's called third wave feminism, and it encourages women to think of themselves as powerful consumers like men. This puts them in the position to exploit other less powerful women, which is how we get to the concept of the girl boss. Heidi Fleiss opens a new boutique on Hollywood Boulevard called Hollywood Madam, a last-ditch attempt to relaunch the Heidiware brand. But she is in the valley of her popularity. She is considered a D-lister now, but she still has a dream of getting her valuation back up. The shop is at 6624 Hollywood Boulevard, and the prices have gone up with the times. Sweatpants are $150, and there are corsets that cost nearly $400. The window display at Hollywood Madam is a nude mannequin reclining in an antique bathtub's faux suds as bubbles float down from a bubble machine in the ceiling. One of Heidi's innovations for the new store is to equip one dressing room with a webcam and offer a 30% discount to any customers who allow themselves to be live streamed on her pay website, trying on clothes in the dressing room. Once again, Heidi was right. Hollywood Boulevard did start to gentrify again soon after that. Unbelievably, the name Heidi Fleiss is still visible on the storefront gate at 6624 Hollywood Boulevard as of this recording. I was completely sure it was going to get scrubbed and flipped at some point while I was making this podcast, but as of today, it's still there. One thing I love about Hollywood Boulevard, which is to me the capital of Los Angeles, is that like New York's Times Square, 
You can gentrify and flip and try to make it upscale as much as you want, but you can never wash the decades of vomit, glitter, and piss off the street because that's what Hollywood is. And we love it. In 2005, Heidi moves down the Hollywood corridor to Coenga Boulevard and opens a place called A Little Shop of Sex next to the trendy new club Beauty Bar. It's the same inventory from the Hollywood Madam store with a new investment from her friend Jessica Steindorf. Steindorf is an actress from Malibu who was in the NBC show Las Vegas. Her father is a producer named Scott Steindorf who produced Las Vegas and more recently Station Eleven. Jessica Steindorf became a manager and producer, but she resurfaced in the news when her Prius was one of the four cars Caitlyn Jenner plowed into in the multi-car crash on the Pacific Coast Highway in Malibu, where Jenner killed 69-year-old Kim Howe. Jenner settled with Steindorf and the other survivors of the crash in court. Now, in the distant past, especially in the Old West, madams often became locally revered. The mass genocide of the indigenous people of the Western states was carried out by American men. And when those men began illegally occupying that land, the first thing they demanded was access to women. Brothels were often the first things built in Western settlements. And you can see this in fictionalized portrayals like Deadwood or Robert Altman's McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Madams were power brokers and considered essential to a town's success. One of early San Francisco's most famous madams, Sally Stanford, ran a notorious brothel on Knob Hill, where San Francisco Chronicle journalist Herb Cain joked that the United Nations was founded because of how many of its members were clients at Sally's. It wasn't even really a joke, because apparently international relations were often actually negotiated in the San Francisco brothel's lobby area. After the brothel was raided in 1950, Sally Stanford became a beloved local figure in the Bay Area, and she actually became mayor of Sausalito, California, at the age of 72. After their media scandals died down, madams do sometimes become beloved local figures, symbolic of an earlier, less tame era in a city. But despite the endorsement of the Hollywood Business Bureau, Heidi's stores do not make it. But speaking of the Wild West, there is a place even more lawless than Los Angeles, more blatantly sex-selling, more corrupt, and more geared towards conjuring luxurious fantasies out of thin air. That place is the state of Nevada. Two thousand five. Heidi has a new business venture. It's an ambitious new vision. She is going to open a brothel where women can be serviced by male studs. The plan is to charge two hundred and fifty dollars an hour at Heidi Stud Farm, which will be located in the great state of Nevada, where prostitution is legal, but only in licensed brothels in towns under a certain population, which excludes Las Vegas. Women are more independent these days. They make more money, and it's hard to meet people. Like, you wouldn't believe the number of women who've told me, Heidi, if you do this, I will be the first in line. I mean, relationships are harder than dieting. You know what I mean? Heidi's stud farm will operate in Crystal, Nevada, 
she moves to the town of Parump, 63 miles northwest of Las Vegas, and gets into business with Dennis Hoff, a publicity-loving businessman who runs a brothel in Crystal called The Love Ranch. There's an HBO reality show about The Love Ranch called Cat House that airs as part of HBO's adult theme After Dark programming block, which sadly streaming put an end to, which I was sad about because we love it. Heidi wants her stud farm to have an old Hollywood theme with palm trees and waterfalls, just like the classic Sunset Strip supper clubs Madame Alex loved. It's going to be like Leo DiCaprio in The Aviator, and I'm going to put out a casting call for about 20 guys. I bet I get thousands of applicants. People scoff at Heidi's plans for the stud farm, insisting women wouldn't want to pay for sex at a legal brothel because they are emotional creatures who aren't sexually motivated the same way as men, to which I say, shut the fuck up. I personally think Heidi was, again, ahead of her time and also lawmakers with this idea. A friend of mine said she believed the reason that they didn't want to legalize a business that would let women pay for no-strings-attached sex is because it would enable women to control the world. Heidi also ends up in possession of a large amount of birds. I moved to Nevada to get back into the sex business. I rented a house that, unluckily for me, happened to be next door to a retired madam who was bedridden. At one time, she ran the exotic bird department for the Tropicana Hotel, so she had all these birds. One night, she called me up at 3 in the morning saying she couldn't breathe. I went there as a helicopter was taking her away, and as she's dying, she says, Heidi, you take care of the birds. When Heidi World returns, what happened to everyone else in Heidi World? Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. 
It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery, but that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian Mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch? Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. Welcome back to Heidi World. In 2006, private investigator Anthony Pelicano is indicted for wiretapping Hollywood journalists in order to scare them out of writing stories that criticize his high-profile clients. Pelicano worked for Don Simpson, as well as almost everyone else in town. I'm an old man now, and all my associates are either in prison or dead. The old days are gone forever. Anthony Pelicano, private investigator. The Anthony Pelicano trial is the Hollywood bigwig-studded affair that everybody thought the Heidi Fleiss trial was going to be. Hollywood power players like Mike Ovitz and Brad Gray are witnesses on the stand denying they paid Anthony Pelicano to do any illegal wiretaps for them or their companies. Brad Gray even developed an HBO show with Pelicano about a Hollywood private detective. 2006. 
Dr. Paul Fleiss is back in the news for something unrelated to his daughter, Heidi. He's part of a story about a woman named Christine Majore, whose three-year-old child, Eliza Jane, died from AIDS-related pneumonia. Majori is an HIV-positive AIDS skeptic who founded a group called Alive and Well AIDS Alternatives, a nonprofit that encourages HIV-positive mothers to breastfeed. She is the author of a book called What If Everything You Thought You Knew About AIDS Was Wrong? Paul Fleiss is accused of not insisting to Majori that she stop breastfeeding her child and of not treating the child with the proper antiviral therapy. You will remember all the way back from episode one that Dr. Fleiss was a strong proponent of wet nursing and breastfeeding. Wet nursing fell out of favor eventually, even among the New Age Los Feliz moms who were his clientele, because the AIDS epidemic made it more dangerous to swap fluids with other people, including breast milk. A medical board seeks to revoke his license, citing his treatment of another HIV-positive child. Fleiss admits he's somewhat of a skeptic about whether HIV causes AIDS, saying he could be convinced either way. What is clear is that Dr. Fleiss allows AIDS skeptics and vaccine skeptics to make their own decisions under his care, which puts their children at risk. Now, it turns out that Dr. Paul Fleiss was not a straight-up anti-vaxxer himself. One of my friends who had him as her doctor told me that her mother was a vaccine skeptic who didn't want to vaccinate her, and that Dr. Fleiss actually convinced her mother that they should just go ahead with the vaccination, and that's the reason why my friend is vaccinated today. She also said that her mother was one of Paul's many supporters who wrote into the court to support him during the IRS trial. Dr. Fleiss thought that patients should be allowed to decide for themselves, which gets complicated when children who can't advocate for themselves yet are involved and put at risk. He gave a not great quote to the LA Times, saying that he was shocked when Eliza Jane died because he'd never seen her look ill. Christine Majori is not charged with the death of her daughter. Meanwhile, Charlie Sheen and Denise Richards have divorced, He debuts a children's clothing line called Sheen Kids with a Z. 2007. Heidi runs into some legal issues trying to open the brothel. A lot of people are very opposed to the idea of male prostitution. She whips up a plan B and opens a laundromat in Parump called Dirty Laundry instead. Yeah, instead of Heidi's stud farm. I am going to open Heidi's Suds Farm. Her ex-boyfriend, Tom Sizemore, pays a settlement in Heidi's case against him. He also gets busted for meth, violating the terms of his probation. Also put on probation, Dr. Paul Fleiss. His medical license is put on probation for his involvement with the Christine Majori case. 2008. Heidi appears on Nightline offering her thoughts on the Elliot Spitzer sex scandal. She manages to get in a few plugs for the Love Ranch on air while she's at it. A new documentary about her called Heidi Fleiss, The Would-Be Madam of Crystal, airs on HBO following Heidi's attempts to open the stud ranch. The documentary shows Heidi, now 42 years old, living alone in the desert with her birds, She is very protective of the birds, macaws with yellow eyes. 
She is a high-functioning drug addict who uses meth, Valium, and Vicodin, but she also goes through spurts of trying to get sober. She has bought 10 acres of land in the desert. I'm going to build my Hearst Castle. Heidi gets busted in Nevada during a traffic stop for meth. This marks another moment of shift. She wants to turn her life around. And where better to get clean than on reality television? Celebrity Rehab, that was the best show I've done in my life. I was freaked out when I saw what I looked like, like I was in the desert doing drugs, and I realized, first of all, that my problem was that bad. You think, oh, I'll just stop whenever I want to. I thought I would stop before the show, but I couldn't. I thought, I'll go when my problem's not that bad. When, When they called me to do it, I thought, hell no. Who wants to withdraw on TV, but then I was so glad that it was so humiliating and so embarrassing. Like, it it did make me change. Big time. Heidi appears on the VH1 reality show Celebrity Rehab for its third season. Celebrity Rehab is a show from gigantic quack doctor Drew Pinsky. On Celebrity Rehab, a bunch of celebrities are put in a rehab house together and forced to withdraw and do group therapy in front of cameras. It is one of the most fucked up things I have ever seen, and Dr. Drew keeps insisting throughout that it's educational to show viewers what rehab is really like. At the Pasadena Recovery Center, Heidi checks in with her fellow castmates, basketball star Dennis Rodman, Alice in Chains bassist Mike Starr, Miss Teen USA Carrie Ann Panish country singer Mindy McCready, and actress Mackenzie Phillips. Heidi is withdrawing from meth and spends her time alone in a bedroom away from the rest of the cast. She has also been completely isolated from other people while she's been out at her compound in Nevada and has some trouble readjusting to being around other human beings. When Dr. Drew forces her to socialize, she ends up listening to Mackenzie Phillips talk. Phillips is the former teenage star of the recovery-themed 70s sitcom One Day at a Time and the daughter of notorious maniac John Phillips of the Mamas and the Papas. Mackenzie Phillips is the ultimate cautionary tale of counterculture California parents without any boundaries whatsoever. She tells Heidi about getting drugs for her dad and about doing them together, about her father shooting her up with coke, Later that year, Mackenzie Phillips will tell the press that her father raped her continually when she was a teen, only stopping after she got pregnant and had an abortion. Heidi Fleiss is absolutely horrified as Mackenzie Phillips talks about snorting coke with her dad for the first time at age 11, a year before she played a teenage tomboy crushing on Harrison Ford in George Lucas's American Graffiti. Other people's stories and struggles in the rehab house do seem to galvanize Heidi into facing her own addiction demons, perhaps realizing that while she's had a pretty rough time, other people have had even rougher ones. I struggle. Yeah, I I struggle with my addiction, and it's tough because I'll be doing so well, and I don't know what will make me flip. 
While Heidi detoxes and thinks about her entire life leading up to this point, other people like Mindy McCready are having seizures from withdrawal. In general, the experience seems to be scaring Heidi straight. Until Dr. Drew does something so medically unethical and blatantly sadistic as a stunt that it could only happen on reality television. He surprises Heidi with... Her abusive ex-boyfriend, Tom Sizemore, who joins the cast halfway through. Rather than reacting with anger or horror, Heidi greets Sizemore at first with love. The initial moment when they see each other again is one of the craziest things I've ever seen because it's so very clearly emotional and intense for both of them. And the fact that you're watching it, it feels like something you shouldn't see because it's such an intimate moment between two people that it feels like you're suddenly watching a Cassavetes movie in the middle of celebrity rehab. And they hug each other and sort of whisper, I love you to each other and look into each other's eyes. And it's just fucking crazy. But Tom Sizemore arrives with his new girlfriend, also an addict seeking treatment, and things between him and Heidi turn sour again almost immediately. And as Heidi has to face Tom Sizemore, she seems to lose interest in the treatment again and just sort of sink back into depression and isolation. At the rehab graduation ceremony, Heidi gives a very intense speech where she thanks Tom Sizemore for making her decide to be a lesbian because he's so disgusting. Heidi does a season of Sober House, a halfway house spinoff of Celebrity Rehab, then goes back to the desert to tend to her birds alone. Twenty ten. Last year, Dennis had this guy who spent two point six million here in a couple months. The first two girls got four hundred grand apiece. They were in there for four days, like old war whores. They've been around forever, and I was like. Good for them. That's a lot of money. And Dennis said, Heidi, that guy isn't different from you or me. He just wants to spend his money having fun. And his family wants it going to the church. And then some religious judge put an injunction on his money because they want it going to the church. But remember Anna Nicole Smith and her sugar daddy in the chair? He wants to go out with this blonde hair, big tittied girl, and his stuffy, obnoxious kids want the money. Those kids are fighting over his money. Why didn't they just go earn their own? He wanted to go out with this girl and her tits and do things he's never done before. And these stuffy, snobby kids are fighting. It's like, let him do what he wants. Heidi and Dennis Hoff are briefly engaged, possibly just for publicity. Heidi's dream of opening a stud ranch never comes to fruition, but another woman named Bobby Davis does, opening the shady lady as male prostitution is legalized for the first time ever. The shady lady ends up being a bust, however, not necessarily because women don't want to buy sex, but more because they don't necessarily want to drive all the way out to Farmer Station, Nevada to buy it. It remains open as a bed and breakfast called the Shady Lady Ranch, but you can no longer buy sex there. At the start of 2010, Heidi is preparing to enter the Celebrity Big Brother house in the UK when she gets the news 
that her brother, Jason Fleiss, has drowned. 41-year-old Jason and 32-year-old Jesse Fleiss were swimming in Hawaii when Jason was swept out by a strong tide. A surfer rescued Jesse Fleiss, but Jason drowned. 44-year-old Heidi Fleiss enters the Celebrity Big Brother house on January 3rd, missing her brother's funeral. I put a billion dollars in the studio's pockets. I put half a billion dollars in Chuck's pocket. So this is the freaking thanks I get? If people want me to succeed, they should find the most comfortable chair in their freaking house, lean back, open a beer, and watch the show. Because it's about to get really gnarly. Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen is arrested in a domestic violence dispute with his third wife, Brooke Muller. He allegedly threatens her on Christmas Day in Aspen, and she calls 911. While the underwear company Haynes dumps him as a spokesman, CBS stands behind Sheen and says it's business as usual on the two-and-a-half-men set. However, a potential felony rap for Sheen does have the potential to affect two-and-a-half-men, which, as we said, is a number one rated huge hit pulling in 15 million viewers. CBS and executive producer Chuck Lorre declined to comment. Sheen is headed to court over serious charges, so Lorre and CBS quietly start weighing their options regarding Sheen's long, expensive deal and the future of the show. Lorre and Sheen finally get into a public feud after Sheen calls Lori a, quote, little maggot and refers to him as Chaim Levine in what some call an anti-Semitic comment. Lori shuts down production for the rest of the season. Sheen retaliates in the media. These guys are a couple of AA Nazis and just blatant hypocrites. They do not practice what they preach. It's so transparent and so sad. 2011, CBS fire Charlie Sheen and replace him with Ashton Kutcher. Heidi makes a television special for Animal Planet called Heidi Fleiss, Prostitutes to Parrots, about Fleiss and her bird sanctuary for macaws in Nevada. Charlie Sheen begins a tour called My Violent Torpedo of Truth slash Defeat is Not an Option, the same year he is a host at the annual gathering of the Juggalos. Ginger Lynn Allen auctions off some of the keepsakes from her relationship with Charlie Sheen. She says she hasn't seen him in 15 years, but she still wishes him well. We all have demons. We all fight them. We fall down, we get back up. I've done it. Everyone I know has done it. It seems to me, without knowing any details, that right now Charlie is going to take a little different course. Hopefully, he'll rise again. He'll be like the phoenix. Ginger Lynn Allen, adult film star. Dennis Hoff is accused of sexually assaulting a woman at the Love Ranch. Mindy McCready, one of Heidi's celebrity rehab castmates, commits suicide. 
Dr. Drew continues to defend celebrity rehab and insists the show, which ended forever in 2011, was not exploitative of the incredibly fragile drug users it put on display. July 19th, 2014. At the age of 80, Dr. Paul Fleiss dies at his home. He had been recovering from a recent bicycle accident. Jesse Fleiss heard his father having some trouble breathing in his bed, and by the time paramedics arrived, he was dead. November 16th, 2016. Heidi's defense lawyer, Anthony Brookliar, hangs himself at his Century City home at the age of 70. A year earlier, one of his sons, also named Anthony Brookliar, had also committed suicide by hanging. Brookliar had been struggling with the loss of his son. At age 10, I started working at the local Dairy Queen, sweeping the parking lot, and the manager told me I was the best parking lot sweeper he'd ever seen. I put most of my money into pinball machines, and that's when I first became aware of the connection between money and pleasure. If you had money, you had a good time. If not, you didn't. Dennis Hoff, entrepreneur. Inspired by Donald Trump's presidential victory, Dennis Hoff, the owner of Legal Brothel The Love Ranch, decides to run for office. Hoff credits Trump with inspiring him to switch from his former Libertarian Party affiliation to run as a GOP candidate. We're both famous and infamous. We're both high profile. We're both celebrities. We're both successful businessmen. We both have reality television shows. We both have written books. We're both rich and we can't be bought. There's a lot of similarities, and we're doing it for the right reasons. His opponent says Dennis Hoff is not even a real Republican. He just uses whatever is happening politically to promote business at the Love Ranch. He works both sides of the aisle for the almighty dollar. For example, he once did a Hookers for Hillary promotion. After running as the Trump from Pahrump, Dennis Hoff wins the Republican primary for the Nevada state legislature. He celebrates with Heidi in Pahrump, and Heidi wears a Vote Hoff shirt. In a June 7th, 2018 Hollywood Reporter interview with Heidi on the 25th anniversary of her arrest, Heidi Fleiss continues to evade simple classifications of good and bad. She seems to replicate some of her dad's more outre pseudoscientific medical views with a comment about AIDS being less deadly than asthma now that there's medication for it. And she uses certain outdated terms for trans women while discussing the idea of opening a trans-staffed brothel in Pahrump. She is mixed on the Me Too movement, and when one of her ex-boyfriends alleged assault on an 11-year-old girl is brought up, she says if it's true, he should be castrated. She is neither a conventional California liberal nor a full-on reactionary libertarian. She says that the Black Book or Red Gucci Planner showed up on eBay and she called to have it taken down. The book had been stolen by some people who were also trying to latch on to Stormy Daniels, the porn star who had a sexual relationship with Donald Trump. 
When the reporter asks if Heidi still has the book herself, she says no, then changes her answer to kind of, and then asks why it matters at all. I don't know, actually. It was just something that seemed very private and personal that was no one else's business. That's just how I feel about it today and how I always felt. I was offered a lot of money to sell that book, and there were times when I really needed that money. But that was never something that I would do. October of 2018, Dennis Hoff wins his election. He spends the weekend partying at the Love Ranch for several days straight to celebrate his win, and then... He was totally stiff, and I said, honey, we have a problem here. Ron Jeremy. Hoff drops dead at age 72 during his election victory bender at the Love Ranch and is found by his friend, the porn star and serial rapist Ron Jeremy. Heidi is shaken up by Hoff's death, as are the Love Ranch's sex workers, Everyone is very confused about what's going to happen with a dead guy being in office. You want to do the right thing with money inherited from your parents. I will not disrespect my father. Look at what I already did to him. He worked hard and I was a madam. Time continues to pass, and Heidi learns about a new kind of money-making scheme, cryptocurrency. But she's out of her depth, and even Heidi Fleiss can get scammed. She gets fleeced in a Bitcoin scam by a former friend named Elizabeth Keating, who worked for her for years and talked her into going in on some Bitcoin that she said would help Fleiss fund her bird sanctuary. So Heidi bought $400,000 worth of Bitcoin at $600 a coin, and it rose to $20,000 a coin, at which point Keating locked her out of the account and stole the money. Heidi says it's morally despicable to steal the money from her and her birds. She sues Keating for $4 million after tracking her down and having her served with a summons in a flower delivery. I've known Steve Bing since I was 21, and we talked on the phone twice a day, every day. We were really close. In your 20s, you're lovers with everyone, and then in your 30s, you become friends. I snort meth like I'm drinking a cup of coffee. I don't stay up all night doing rails. I have birds to feed in the morning. Heidi is quoted in the New York Post about the suicide of her friend Steve Bing, who jumped to his death from the roof of his Century City high-rise. Steve Bing inherited $600 million from his grandfather, real estate developer Leo S. Bing, at the age of 18, Heidi says that Bing strung her along with extravagant promises of money for her bird sanctuary. He was going to set her up with a new space in Palm Springs where she could live with the birds in comfort. She also really needed the money after losing her inheritance from her father in the Bitcoin scam. Heidi thinks the reports of Steve Bing only having $300,000 when he killed himself are false. She knows for a fact that he recently had $20 million although Bing is known for spending his inheritance compulsively on drugs and sex workers. He hires a lot of trans women who are sex workers and often pays for their surgeries. He's also an investor in things like the Clinton Foundation and the Polar Express. 
After his death, there are immediate rumors that he was suicided, as he was a friend of Jeffrey Epstein's. Heidi is sad about her friend dying, but also about his lifelong promises to give her money vanishing into smoke. Heidi says she's been celibate for five years. All she cares about now is the birds. When Heidi World returns, what happened to everyone in Heidi World? Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery, but that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily, as I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian Mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch? Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. 
and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Welcome back to Heidi World. The present. Everybody's reclusive when you make a certain amount of money, especially if you've had a tough life. You try to fortify yourself with your friends and kind of keep the world out. I used to date all young girls. And then it was like, I could be your grandfather. What am I doing? John Peters, film producer. John Peters paid out $3.3 million in a sexual harassment suit in 2011. In January of 2020, he married Pamela Anderson, then got divorced, with Anderson claiming the marriage was never real because papers were not filed. He was recently portrayed by Bradley Cooper in Paul Thomas Anderson's Licorice Pizza. When I profiled Alana Haim for a magazine, she said that she didn't know that much about the real John Peters and that the movie character might be an exaggeration, to which I said, oh no, it's a documentary. That's exactly what John Peters is like. Robert Evans died at the age of 89 in Beverly Hills, California. Evans, a New York Russian Jew who came out West to act and then started producing films in the early 60s, was a self-made legend who loved telling people about it. He was convicted of cocaine trafficking in 1980, convicted of making Chinatown sequel The Two Jakes in 1990, and called to the stand in the Cotton Club murder trial in 1991. His autobiography, The Kid Stays in the Picture, came out in 1994 and was adapted into a successful documentary of the same name in 2002 that burnished Evans' legend as producer of films like The Godfather. Evans was married seven times but died a bachelor. His last film credit as a producer while living was How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. One last hit for the ultimate Hollywood hustler. In July of 2019, Paramount decided not to renew their contract with Robert Evans Productions, a deal that he'd had there since 1974. Evans died in October of 2019. But like Don Simpson, due to reboot culture, Robert Evans' IMDb continues to accumulate credits as he executive produces from beyond the grave. Yvonne Naj moved into softcore and hardcore porn after his CD-ROM venture fizzled. Directing titles like Trailer Trash Terry with Terry Starr, 
all-nude Nikki with Nikki Nova, and Izzy Sleaze's casting couch cuties. In 1999, he makes a porno called Wild Desire with the, quote, most downloaded woman on the internet, Danny Ash. Yvonne Naj dies in 2015. In 2017, he receives a posthumous executive producer credit on a movie called Hitchhiker Massacre, starring Drew Barrymore's half-brother John Blythe Barrymore and David Carradine's daughter, Callista Carradine. Adult Video News Hall of Famer and original Vivid Videos contract star Vivid Girl Ginger Lynn Allen continues to act in horror films like 2020's Slash Lorette Party and the upcoming Pig Killer. While her adult scenes are re-released in compilations like My Mom is a Lesbian and the ongoing I Want to Come Inside Your Mom series. After her relationship with Charlie Sheen ended, Ginger Lynn Allen had a son with porn producer Stephen Hirsch. Heidi's cousin, Mike Fleiss, creator of The Bachelor, is accused of domestic assault and takes a public step back from The Bachelor franchise, which continues to be one of the most popular shows on television. In 2015, Alexandra Datig gets engaged to fellow right-wing media rising star Larry Elder after an 18-month courtship. She moves in with him and gets a tattoo that says Larry's girl at his request. She says that she was working as more or less his personal assistant, helping himself produce his streaming radio show from home, but wasn't paid a salary. The engagement ended acrimoniously later that year. Elder was the right-wing candidate during the 2021 attempt to recall California Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom, at which point Alexandra Dadig spoke up during his campaign to allege that Larry Elder had once threatened her by showing her his gun during an argument. Dadig also had her own campaign to recall L.A. Mayor Eric Garcetti, the son of Gil Garcetti, over L.A.'s escalating homelessness crisis. She started an online petition to gather the signatures to recall Garcetti, and you may know about how easy it is to trigger a recall vote in California because it's been happening constantly since the recall of Gray Davis that got California Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger. Jody Babydoll Gibson, a.k.a. Sasha of the Valley, dies in January of 2022 in Yucca Valley. The other players, like Madame Alex, were all working with the LAPD, giving lists of their clients on a weekly basis. Heidi wouldn't play the game. She broke all the rules. She kind of did it for fun, which was why she was so successful. Nick Broomfield. Nick Broomfield most recently put out a documentary called Last Man Standing, Suge Knight and the Murders of Biggie and Tupac, after other documentaries like Leonard and Marianne about the relationship between Leonard Cohen and his lover and muse Marianne Illen, and Whitney Houston, Can I Be Me?, which is really depressing, but really good, and I recommend. James Kahn is on Twitter. Tom Sizemore was in Twin Peaks' The Return. He works seemingly constantly in B-movies, and some upcoming projects from his IMDb include Dark Karma, Eat Lead, and Father's Day. In 2017, it was revealed that he'd been kicked off the set of a movie in 2003 for allegedly molesting an 11-year-old girl, which he denied doing. In 2019, he was arrested in Burbank for possessing, quote, various illegal narcotics. 
Charlie Sheen came out as an anti-vaxxer during his marriage to Denise Richards and cited their differences in views on the subject as one of the reasons for the split. This means Denise Richards is pro-vaccine. Good for you, Denise. We love your work. In 2011, Charlie Sheen was living with a 24-year-old adult actress named Brie Olsen and a 24-year-old model and graphic designer named Natalie Kenley, and he referred to the two girls as his goddesses. They both moved out in the next two months. Sheen revealed in 2015 that he was HIV positive and on the cocktail, and then he went public because he was being extorted for several years by a group threatening to reveal his HIV positive status. In 2016, he went on the Dr. Oz show and said he'd gone off his HIV meds and was seeking alternative treatment in Mexico from an Australian quack doctor named Sam Chachua. In 2016, Charlie Sheen also came under investigation by the LAPD for threatening to kill his fiancée, Scottine Ross, a former adult star who went by the stage name Brett Rossi. In 2017, he was sued by an unnamed ex-girlfriend for knowingly exposing her to HIV without telling her. On the acting side, he had a TBS sitcom called Anger Management that started in 2012, the year after he crashed his Two and a Half Men gig. Most recently, Sheen was on Instagram promoting a podcast slash pilot that he made with Entourage's Doug Ellen called Ramble On. It is, I think, a podcast that's a spinoff of Doug Ellen's podcast Victory about Entourage, but also a backdoor TV pilot because stars are just like us. Ramble On, the TV show pilot, stars Charlie Sheen as himself, alongside E from Entourage, who I won't dignify with his government name, and Kevin Dillon as themselves, plus veteran character actor John C. McGinley, who was in Platoon with Charlie Sheen, and then cameo appearances from people like Martin Sheen, Mark Cuban, and Jamie Lynn Siegler. IMDb says it's a show about established showbiz folks and newcomers, and it appears to mostly take place at the Smokehouse Restaurant in Burbank, which is an old-school place that I obviously love. It's from 1946, which for L.A. is like a million years old, And it is a showbiz hangout because it's right across from where a lot of television shoots. Charlie also has a website, www.shenius.com. At the time, what was going on at my house, hanging around, girls just goofing around, playing in the pool, it really seemed like a time of innocence, like a sick sorority club. As we reach the city limits of Heidi World, I've been thinking a lot about what drew me to the story of Heidi Fleiss in the first place. I did not set out to make this podcast autobiographical, but it ended up being that way because it turns out that I clearly always identified in some way with Heidi Fleiss as a frizzy-haired, self-conscious Jewish girl from Los Angeles, eager to make a name for herself in a city where her name didn't mean anything to anyone yet. The sexual hypocrisy on display in the Heidi Fleiss story also made a big lasting impression on me because it revealed something about society that I really wanted to reject as being true, which is that it's deeply misogynistic on a core level. Other events since the Heidi Fleiss trial have only reinforced the way in which womanhood, sexuality, and spectacle are weaponized to send messages about women who transgress traditional roles or try to benefit off their own sexuality in any way. And for the most recent example of this, I mean, check out the coverage of the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial. 
also appreciate that Heidi Fleiss just is who she is. She's not a perfect role model or spokesperson, and she doesn't ever try to be. But she is still alive, still talking, and still making jokes. She feels unkillable in some way, and while it may not be a flawless victory, it still feels like a little bit of hope, a shot against the mainstream narrative that sex workers always die or terrible things always happen to them. She's allegedly still a drug user and very open about that. And another thing that making this podcast really made me think deeply about is addiction and the way addiction is treated in American society. A lot of the people in this story struggle with addiction throughout their lives, and it's clearly passed on genetically in families. Without excusing any of the abuse committed by the many, many abusive men in Heidi World, I found myself coming away with a view of these alpha males that was more complex than I expected. Addiction fucking sucks, and it ravages people, and I feel bad for anyone who struggles with themselves. I did not go into Heidi World expecting to come out of it like, wow, Charlie Sheen sure has a lot of pathos to him. But I also vividly remember during the Tiger Blood era thinking, man, this guy really needs to not be on camera right now. He is clearly not well, and everyone who is letting him be on camera is complicit. Making Heidi World also just got me interrogating why I'm drawn to stories like this and drawn personally to your John Peters types. Like Heidi, I love charismatic talkers and Hollywood alpha males, which made me realize on some level, I must want to be a Hollywood alpha male. Thinking about how to draw people in while you're talking to them and get them absorbed enough to keep listening to you is something I also thought about, obviously, making a 10-episode podcast where I'm talking a lot. I hope that resurfacing the Heidi Fly story with this podcast will inspire people to get involved with sex workers' rights and the laws around them. Sex work is both more visible and under more threat than ever, And groups like Sex Workers Outreach Project USA are doing great work around these issues. Here in Los Angeles, the strippers from a club in my hometown of North Hollywood in the San Fernando Valley called Star Garden are striking against work conditions where management allowed them to be groped by customers against their will without any punishment. The striking North Hollywood strippers recently voted to unionize, and you can follow them on Twitter at StripStrikeNoHo and follow their sister organization, Strippers United, at Strippers Unite on Twitter, and let sex workers themselves tell you what kind of material and online support they actually need. People think I sat back and made money off someone else, and that's not true at all. As far as exploiting women, women are exploited in the world. People are exploited. I was not exploiting them. The girls who met me did very, very well. These people sewing downtown, that is exploitation. The street pimp, that is exploitation. I might be a hypocrite, but I always thought that I was trying to do the right thing. Thanks everyone for joining me, your host Molly Lambert, on this journey through weird California history from the 1970s up until now, and a story about the importance of decriminalizing and destigmatizing sex work. And as for Heidi Fleiss, she has a YouTube channel where she posts videos of her macaws 
and screeds against the woman that she's mad at about the Bitcoin scam. She's on Instagram, too. And Heidi, if you're listening by any chance, call me. And now for some credits. Heidi World would never have been possible without the incredible production team of Anna Hosnier, Becca Ramos, and Trisha Mukherjee. Thanks to Rory Geegan, who beautifully edited and sound designed an insanely complicated thing. Special thanks to Chris Chang, who shot and edited the Heidi World promo trailer that we made with Annie Hamilton to announce the show. Chris and Annie were the first two people to volunteer their time for this project, and I'm really grateful for them. Chris also wrote the sick-ass song that's in the promo trailer. And thanks to Bethann Macaluso, who worked with me on the scripts and helped shape this into something that anyone else could ever listen to. And now, because it is my show, and because I think it's funny, which is what this entire show is really about, is pleasing me personally, I am going to read the entire cast list like it's movie credits. A huge thank you to everyone who agreed to voice act for me, many of whom had never done it before. And special thanks to Annie Hamilton and Max Silvestri for bringing real acting chops to the leads and making this world grounded so that anything else could make sense. Heidi World, an iHeartRadio production. Annie Hamilton as Heidi Fleiss. Max Silvestri as Yvonne Nash. Karen Tonkson as Madam Alex. Glenn Lambert as Dr. Paul Fleiss. Sarah Sherman as Shayna Fleiss. Audrey Kaufman as Kim Fleiss. Jack O'Brien as Jesse Fleiss. Anna Hosnier as Alyssa Ash Fleiss. Jamie Loftus as Victoria Sellers. Molly Young as Alexandra Datig. John Daly as John Peters. Miles Klee as Don Simpson. Jason Stewart as Charlie Sheen. Chris Black as Billy Idol. Robert Evans as Robert Evans. Karina Longworth as Julia Phillips. Dylan Jalula as Angelica Houston. Brody Gupta as Melanie Griffith. Hunter Harris as Rita Wilson. Judnick Mayard as Sean Hubler. Emily Yoshida as Leanne. Isabel Beatty as Marilyn. Joelle Monique as Brandy McLean. Rachel Rabbit White as Julie Conister. Sarah C. Johnson as Simone, former Alex girl. Alex Papademus as defense attorney Anthony Brookliar. Andrew T. as Detective Sammy Lee II. Jason Concepcion as prosecutor Alan Carter. Julianne Smolinski as Norma Jean Almodovar. Nomi Fry as Sherry Lansing. Miles Gray as James Kahn. Harry Eskin as Bernie Kornfeld. Tess Lynch as Elaine Young. Kate Raft as Michelle Pfeiffer. Joan Ford as Amy Holden Jones. Liza Dye as Whoopi Goldberg. Joe Mandy as Frank Sinatra Jr. Lindsay Weber as Judge Judith L. Champagne. Eva Anderson as Ava Gabor. Aiden Arada as Meg Ryan. 
Liz Fransack as Sharon Stone, Josh Losey as Bob Crow, Felix Biederman as Tom Sizemore, Siri Dahl as Sheila Matrowski, Young Chomsky as Elliot Mintz, Andrew DeYoung as Andy Sedaris, Dan Longino as Vince Conti, Dean Fleischer Camp as Paul McCarthy, Richard Kelly as Robert Altman, Yasi Salek as Ginger Lynn Allen, Holly Anderson as Cher, John Levenstein as Mayor Richard Reardon, Ryan Johnson as Adrian Lyne, Grace Belden as JJ, the King of Beepers, Gracie Hadland as Liz Smith, Jack Allison as Anthony Pelicano, Carrie O'Donnell as Mike Fleiss, Paul F. Tompkins as Dennis Hoff, Bugmane as Ron Jeremy, Leslie Lee III as O.J. Simpson, John Daly again as Jay Leno, Carvel Wallace as Nick Broomfield, Ben Lambert as Robert Evans' press agent, Eloy Lugo as Billy Idol's publicist, and Becca Ramos as Nancy Reyes. And thanks to everyone who came along with us on this long, wild ride through Los Angeles. I'm your host, Molly Lambert, signing off one last time from Heidi World. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. 
The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.